Welcome to the Brad and Taylor Show. Today we have David Hall. You're listening to the Brad and Taylor Show, a podcast that inspires entrepreneurs to pursue their passions. We're sitting down with some of the best to learn how they got started and some lessons they learned along the way. How's it going, David? Good. Good. We're glad to have you on today. Yeah, no, I'm happy to be here. Yep. You want to tell us uh, who you are and what you do? Yeah. So uh, my name is David Hall and I uh, my goal is to help um, buyers, sellers, and investors achieve their goals in real estate. So I'm a real estate agent with Keller Williams. Um, I run the Achieve Real Estate team, um, and that's what we do. Awesome. awesome. So um, before you actually got to doing that, um, let's back it up a little bit. Let's figure out, like, what did, do you want to do that when you were little, or what did you want to do when you grew up? Yeah, so when I was younger, I had an interest in homes. Um, I, I wanted to be an architect because uh, I wanted to design homes. Um, I was a big fan of uh, Frank Lloyd and some of the you know, contemporary architecture. Uh, and then I read uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad when I was 16, um, which is a real estate book about investing. Um, mm-hmm. And once I read that, it made me decide to get into investing in real estate. And that was when all the flip this house shows were really popular. I guess they still are, you know, yeah. but that's when they were all coming out. Yep. So I wanted to flip houses. So I bought a, my first house when I was 21. Um, and that led me to investing. That led me to rentals. That led me to get my license. Now, you know, here we are 10 years later and I have a portfolio of rentals and I was able to help uh, 60 buyers and sellers purchase homes or sell homes last year. That's oh, awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Did, did you, um, did you do it right out of school? Did, what, tell us about your first, um, I guess your first transaction and then we'll talk about your first investment property. Uh, yeah. So my, I mean, so I was 21, I, I started investing before I was licensed. So the first house oh, gotcha. I bought, my first real estate transaction was a foreclosure. I bought for thirty thousand. I thought I'd put thirty thousand into it, and sell it for one hundred and twenty. You know, long story short, I had to put fifty into it, and it was only worth you know ninety. So, and it took eighteen months instead of six months. So, uh, <laughs> definitely a big, big learning curve. But I think that's kind of what got me to where I am today because I was able to you know fail forward from there. Yeah. yeah for How sure. many flips have you done um, to date? Uh, probably twenty five. I did okay. six last year, um, and I've been averaging probably two to five a year before that. Yeah. That's good. That's awesome. Six a years. That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> are you doing them all yourself or you have a team of people or what, uh, what are you doing? Yeah. So the first one, it was all me doing everything. And that was, that was miserable. Um, I quickly <laughs> learned I was not a carpenter, you know, for yeah. a contract of any kind. So, um, more recently I use uh, crews to do different things. I'm more of the general contractor. So I'll hire a different guy for flooring, for cabinets, for paint, but I'm kind of running the show on, on all of them. But the, the, the less I can swing the hammer on the projects, the better. Yeah, yeah for sure. So when, uh, um, when you got your second one, what did you, what is the biggest thing you did differently from when you got your second investment property to that first one where you were kind of doing it all by yourself? Yeah. So the first one I flipped, um, or the expectation was that I was going to flip it. And when I finished it and went to list it, I realized that the market was, was much lower than I expected. So this was mm-hmm. in 2009. Um, so there was a lot of motivated sellers, but not a lot of buyers. So my kind of shifted my model. My second purchase was a four unit apartment building in Charlotte, Michigan, um, that I was able to buy on land contract from a motivated seller. Um, and that cash flowed really well. And that got me thinking, you know, if, if I can make so much money from rental property, maybe I don't need to have a normal nine to five job. So that was kind of my focus moving forward was how do I scoop up more rentals? Yeah. When yeah. you were flipping originally or getting into the investment, did you still work a nine to five and then you yeah, did yeah. that on the side? Yep. Even after I first got my license, I still kept a, a nine to five. I worked for a okay. nonprofit that um, I had a, a, what I call my cubicle job. You know, I would work nine to five, 
Yeah. Right. I realized that it didn't take eight hours of time to do the eight hours of work that were required um, for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I spent a lot of my time listening to podcasts, watching, going to YouTube University, you know, and learning how to renovate properties, how to manage properties, how to invest. And so I kind of grew my knowledge uh, for the, the few years I was at, at that job and kind of doing both at the same time. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. So talk about let's talk about like the switching from that uh, the cubicle job to now uh, uh, doing this full time. Did you like have a bunch saved up or do you say, hey, I, here's my date. I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> did you like slowly up. transition into real estate full time or was it just like one day like, no, I'm just going to jump on it. I'm just going to go. Yeah. So I it was meant to be somewhat of a slow transition. There was mm-hmm. a lot of factors at play. Um so I was working at the, the cubicle job and then I got my license and I said, okay, if I can make the same amount of money, my first year license, if I can double my money essentially or make the same amount um, as an agent as I was at the cubicle job, then maybe it's a good opportunity for me to, you know, I have a proven concept and I can leave. Right. Um, so within six months of having my license, I uh, made half as much as I did at my cubicle job. So that was enough for me to, to move forward. Mm-hmm. The last step uh, for us was that when you switch jobs from uh, being an employee to being self-employed, you can't get a mortgage. So um, the last step for us was for us to find a house because we were expecting our fourth child at the time. And so my wife said, we gotta, we have to move. Our house is too small, so you can't quit your job until we move. So as soon yeah. as we found the house that we were going to move into, um, we closed on it and I put in my two weeks and that was that. Yeah. That's awesome. Like I know that same scenario because I did uh I used to fly a jet and I I remember making this switch. I'm like, well, uh if we're gonna move now, we have to move now before I quit. <laughs> How long do you have to wait? I didn't realize there was like a waiting period. How long before like when you make that transition from self employed or you were at an employer and then self employed? How long is that transition that you have to wait before you can buy your own house? Yeah, so the, the bank is gonna look at your W twos for the mm-hmm. past two years of that industry. So oh, for gotcha. me being a real estate agent they would take my last two years. So it would take almost two years of success in a new industry before they'll actually count that as real income. Okay. Yeah. So that's a long two years. I mean, yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For sure. Um, so let's talk, when did you get your license then? Did you get it right off the bat or did you just kind of do all the investment stuff and then? Uh... Yeah, I invested for probably three to five years before. And then I kind of got disappointed with my agent, you know, as I'm sure um, investors feel that struggle if they want to go see a house and, you know, agents aren't necessarily excited about showing you 20 houses for $20,000 each, you know? Um, so I decided to get my own license in 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I could show myself whatever houses I wanted. And then, you know, it was a lot of fun showing other people houses. So the more I got into it, the more I, I started finding success as an agent, as well as an investor. And that's what, you know, allowed me to bridge the gap between, um, cubicle job and real estate full-time was, um, adding the the agent piece to it. So now I'm an agent and an investor, um, and I'm able to do the, you know, the best of both worlds. Yeah. When you first started out in real estate, when you quit your nine to five, um, or when you like left that position and you transitioned over, how did you structure your day? Was it like the same pace that, that you were used to, or did it like completely flip? Yeah. So that was an important thing. You know, I was taught early on as an agent that you have to have somewhat of a structure, Mm -hmm. um, so for me, that was, I, I would take my kids to school and then go get to the office. So I would get there before, you know, most people were in the office yeah. and I would set certain goals for myself, you know, whether it was to, um, so my first two years in my goal was to have coffee with somebody different every week. So I figured at the end of two years, I would have a hundred people that I had a one-on-one relationship with. And, you know, that would lead to leads and, and listings and buyers eventually. Um, so that's one thing I did intentionally. 
I also started running. We have a local real estate investor meeting here that meets um, in Lansing once a month. Okay. Um, and so I, I got involved with that and ended up leading that group. So as I'm organizing meetings and I'm sometimes doing the speaking, people uh, began to see me more and more as an expert in, in the fields, which made it um, easier for them to trust me um, to you know be their agent. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that. Cause I know I saw, I saw you posting in the group and I was like, hmm, are you running that or what, what are you doing? And then all of a sudden I remember like, next thing I know, like every time I saw you post, I'm like, well, there comes another listing. And all of a sudden it shows up on the schedule and I was like, well, he's doing something right. <laughs> so I know it was, that's kind of my niche. You know, I guess everyone should try to find a niche in, in real estate as an agent. It's difficult because you kind of want to help everybody. Yep. Um, because you, you can't help everybody, but you know, just like an attorney or a doctor, it, it's best to probably have some sort of, um, you know, specialty. So for me, I, I like helping buyers and sellers uh, with their personal residences, but I think I get fueled up a little bit more helping investors uh, buy and sell investments. Yeah, awesome. So what, when you started out doing investing, did, was there any kind of advice that you got or did you have a mentor or anything um, when you started out? Uh, I didn't have a specific mentor. So I, I read a lot of books and like I said, I did a lot of YouTube and things, um, mm-hmm. to try to figure out what I wanted to do exactly. Um, it's kind of, it's kind of difficult to get started. And some good advice that I, I found was um, to build relationships with banks in the beginning and kind of figure out the game that the IRS is playing and that the banks are playing and then try to, you know, build your business model around those parameters instead of just try to do your own thing that doesn't fit into the box, which might make it difficult. So I was able to, you know, leverage my relationship to get some private lenders. And and then once I bought a property and showed that it was uh, performing well, then banks could trust me to refinance that into bank financing. So now I could buy properties with private money. And then once it's performing, uh, get a loan on it from a bank. And so that kind of allows me to, to scale uh, beyond my own capacity if I was just using my own money. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Is So um, you're all running that investor group. What if there was um, some kind of advice you'd give somebody to just start out into kind of doing investing? Uh, what would you what would you give them or tell them or what would you say? Yeah. In the beginning, I would say that, you know, it's best to, to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Um, so for me, that was, you know, swinging the hammer myself and going, um, getting out of work at five and then going to my project and working there from 530 to nine, you know, that was not always enjoyable. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of times I wanted to to quit, you know, but getting through that now I know if a contractor says, you know, such and such is going to take three hours. I've done it myself so I can, I can tell if they're being, you know, accurate or not. Um, so in the beginning, if you're a new investor, I think being uncomfortable is, is required. So if you're, there's a lot of younger investors that, you know, don't have families yet. And I advise them to maybe buy a house and rent out the rooms, you know, so that's less comfortable than having your own space and your own privacy, but it will get you to your goals faster. Right. Um, or if you're going to, um, you know, flip a house, it might mean you putting in some sweat equity to squeeze out a little bit more profit from that project, which, which might allow you to do two projects next instead of one. Um, so it just kind of depends on each person's situation. But I think a lot of people get into it thinking it's going to be like flip this house and in a half hour, you can make a million dollars, you know, and that's just not, not an accurate uh, reflection. <laughs> what TV expectations, right? Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. What is the, what is like probably your worst investment property you you got yourself into <laughs> yeah. um so I'm, I'm still not out of it right now oh, um, okay there was one I, I did some marketing so we do some marketing to potential motivated sellers to see if anyone wants to sell their house that's not on the market yet um so i got a, a good deal on a house um the lady's daughter lived there and so she kind of needed to get rid of it but she couldn't evict her daughter so by selling it for a discount it solved her problem of not having to evict her daughter um so i bought it um, and this was 
uh, summer of 2019 or fall of 2019. So we started working wow. on it um, and COVID hit um, in mm-hmm. over the winter. And it, I had kind of put the project on the back burner um, thinking I would start it again in the spring of 2020 and then COVID hit. And so things got kind of weird and um, some of my lending changed. So I still own it and it's still not renovated. Um, luckily, I have a private investor on it that is just accumulating interest. But it went from, you know, a, a potential flip that I was going to make maybe five figures on to something I'm probably going to break even or have to potentially uh, refinance, yeah. pay my investor back and then rent it for a while until there's a profit. Um, so it, it's a... Uh, Luckily, I'm not upside down on it, but it, it's definitely stressful. And then yeah, for uh, sure. I, I was getting quotes to replace the plumbing because it, it had galvanized plumbing in part of the house. Mm-hmm. And I went over there with a the plumber and um, someone in the neighborhood has gracefully removed all the copper plumbing as well. Oh, so, um, yeah. Yeah. So things things happen and that project just kind of keeps dragging on. But I'm, I'm confident it's going to get wrapped up this year. It was just kind of a rough year to have that on top of COVID on top of oh, everything yeah. else. Yeah, for sure. Do you Is, plan on? Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Do you plan on starting back up with it this spring? Yeah, project? that project. Yeah, yeah I, I got the quote from the, the plumber now. So I'm able to get started and I'm uh, selling off some of the rest of my rentals to try to get some money to finish some of the projects that were kind of dragging on. Mm-hmm. through COVID. Um, but I mean, COVID also kind of drove a lot of prices up. So it is a better time to sell. So it might work out in my favor because that same house might sell for 10,000 more this year than it would have last year. So oh, yeah. I think everything happens for a purpose. So I'm optimistic about That's it. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Do you do, do you have a lot of rentals? Or what, what, do you like doing the rentals or do you like doing the flips better? Investing. So I like the rentals because it creates a generational plan. Um, I, I have uh, a lot of kids. We have five kids and we're expecting our sixth one um, in May. Congrats. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. I want to be able to provide for them. And one way of doing that is buying um, assets that continue to kick off cash flow, whether I'm here or after I'm gone. Um, so I have 50 rentals right now. Huh. Um, and the goal was to get to a thousand, um, which I don't know if that's the goal anymore. I think I still want that amount of cash flow, but there's other avenues I'm pursuing to try to get it yeah. um, outside of just just passive income from re- uh, rentals or in real estate. Gotcha. But I, yeah, once I grew to a point of having so many rentals, the management of it got to be a little stressful. Mm-hmm. So I brought on some some staff to help. Um, and as we're growing our staff, we're able to grow our capacity and I'm getting out of the property management um, more and more, which frees me up to pursue investing more and more. So I think it's going to be, it's going to be, good moving forward if I continue to delegate. Yeah. You know, when, um, if you could start over from the very beginning and you had a thousand dollars in your pocket and that's all you had, how would you spend it? Like what would you differently do differently from the very beginning when you first started out in investments? Um, so the thousand dollars I would probably spend on coffee and dinner and drinks, taking people out and building relationships. Cause that's where a lot of, yeah. I think, the main investment strategy um, and success that I found comes uh, by investing as a team sport and not a, a solo mm-hmm. um, play. So I think my biggest mistake was probably on that first one. Yes, I learned a lot, but had I been able to, you know, find a private lender that could fund the whole renovation, I could have gotten it done in my six month time frame instead of eighteen months. Yeah, I would have, you know, in and out of it a lot sooner, and maybe in that same time, I could have done two or three more deals in the same amount of time. So. Going back, I think I would have put even more emphasis on building relationships um, and following up with those those people, and you know, kind of staying top of mind for all investors and all people that were interested um, in investing. Yeah, I know you were saying earlier that you made a goal to have coffee once a week with someone different for the whole year. Did you find that that strategy played played off in the long run? 
just building those oh, yeah. relationships. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that and um, I'd go to coffee with people. They'd see me at the meetings, you know, I'm getting more involved with the meetings. All of those things kind of built into um, a reputation mm-hmm. that you know, Dave's a, an investor guy. And if you need an agent, he can help you with that. If you just need advice on an investment or, yeah, you know, anything like that, they could they could come to me. So a lot of the coffees were, I don't want to say worthless, but weren't exactly what I wanted. You know, you would go to somebody and they would never buy anything and they would ask questions that they, you know, or I, I would, I actually bought Rich Dad Poor Dad that book. Yeah. And I gave it to 20 people, I think, and no one read it. So I stopped giving it out, you know, so there's people ask for advice, but don't act on it. So that was kind of frustrating, but in between some of those types of people, and I understand there's most people are that way, but in between there were some people that I was able to help, which was fulfilling, you know, and then there was also people that, um, you know, might have money, but not have the time that ended up becoming partners of mine. So it, it definitely was fruitful. And I wish I would have done it, you know, twice as much of it. Um, yeah. But it, it wasn't all roses and glamour either. Yep. <laughs> yeah, for sure. What what kind of a book would you would, um, what, what is the, your favorite book? Um, so Rich Dad Poor Dad is normally the one that I um, go to first. Uh, the E-Myth by Michael Gerber is oh, yeah. also three. Um, kind of creating a business instead of being the business, um, yep. which is way easier said than done. Uh, the Richest Man in Babylon is another one of my top three books. Um, it just talks about proper money management and how you can use money to uh, work in your favor if you don't squander it. Yep. So those are from the, the top three I recommend. Awesome. Yeah, those are pretty good. Yeah. I read all those. Um, what? Um, um, I've got a random question for oh, yeah. you. Taylor's got a random question. Super random. Let's go for it. <laughs> has nothing to do with what we've been talking about. Um, do you think that a hot dog is a sandwich? And then you have to explain why. Um, I wouldn't think so, no. No? Why not? Because um, it's got a unique, like, side bun to it. You know, I, I feel like a sandwich is bread on top, bread on the bottom. Yeah. But then then I question, is a hamburger a sandwich, you know? Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's got, I mean, yeah, they've got the layers to it. <laughs> no, I'll have, to, I'll have to reflect on that. Yeah, <laughs> we don't know the answer. We just like to ask that one. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Is there anything else you want to share with everyone before we go? Um, no, I, I think that um, I just want to do a, a plug for you know windowsill. I appreciate the photos that you guys take, and it, I think as an investor, it it allows to put a little more icing on the cake when I do get a listing, whether it's a, a flip or um, a house for a client. If we're able to sell it and present it right at the beginning, um, in the best light, you get a lot more interest, which, you know, hopefully equals more offers, which equals, you know, your as a seller, your choice of which offer you want to accept rather than I've just seen some terrible photos out there. Oh, yeah. And I've actually <laughs> bought some houses because the, the agent marketed it poorly. Um, yeah. so I think that, um, windowsill is one of the reasons that I was able to make money on some of my investments. So I just wanted to put hey, that out there and say that? thanks for all the hard work you yeah, I actually, I did the same exact thing. Um, I bought the house that we're currently in. Mm-hmm. We had the, we were the only offer, and it was the only one in the neighborhood that didn't sell like it didn't have like tons of offers. It was the only one with cell phone photos. I was like, those are the ones you when you want to buy a house, that's what you look for. Yeah. <laughs> so um, awesome. Well, um, thanks for uh, coming on and joining us today. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. It's been fun. Hello. Hello? Are you Hello? there? 
Are you there? Are you there? Hey, guys. We just wanted to thank you for uh, listening on uh, either uh, podcast or on uh, the YouTube video here. If you guys wanted to subscribe, that would be awesome. That would mean a lot to us. And if you guys could give us a five-star review as well, that would be amazing. And we'll see you on the next one. See ya.